The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 314, powered by Rageworks, broadcasting live on Wednesday, September 16th, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into MTR, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Our show airs live every Wednesday and every Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Wednesday nights, we cover mixed martial arts and professional wrestling. Thursday nights, we cover gaming and entertainment. Uh, a couple of things before we get into some, some of this week's topics. Uh, first and foremost, we are simulcasting. We managed to get the simulcasting working with... Video airing on YouTube Live, StreamUp, Vaughn Live, and even Twitch. So for those of you that are tuning into the show this evening, you have a couple of different options you can use for the simulcast tonight. As I said, you can use Vaughn Live, StreamUp, Twitch, and of course, YouTube Live. Archived episodes of this show are available in video on our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV and Official Rageworks. Audio archives will be found on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio within 24 hours of airing. So usually 24 to 48 hours for the video, usually about 24 hours for the audio, depending on how much editing needs to be done. Uh, for those of you that would like to participate in the show and are watching via any of the other mediums, you can go to mtrlive.com. Dot com and join in the live show chat, plus still see the video feed and listen to the high-quality audio feed via Mixler. Also, you can use our call-in number, not hit option one, and listen to the show that way as well. And for those of you on mobile devices, you can download the Mixler app, punch in My Take Radio, and listen that way. All right, so... On the housekeeping front, a couple of things. As I said, we are simulcasting to a couple of different providers. We actually had that working last week 
And I was not even aware. Somebody brought it to my attention and said, hey, listen, uh, you know that you're streaming on Twitch and also streaming on StreamUp and YouTube Live. And I I was thrown for a loop uh, for a couple of reasons. Obviously, while I knew that the simulcasting was still kind of being worked on, I did not know that it was going to be on a level where we were going to hit so many other services. So, again... If you guys are watching via all those channels and it's your first time tuning in, we appreciate it. Like I said, you might be better suited heading over to mtrlive.com and participating in the ch- in the chat or calling in if that works for you. But the big thing about about streaming on Twitch, which I'm really excited about, is for those of you that have the Twitch app on your consoles, whether it be Xbox, uh, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, PS3, PS4, or Xbox One, you'll be able to watch the show in the in the privacy and comfort of your own televisions and not in front of a TV screen. So very happy about that. I actually tested the Twitch app to see how it would work, and everything seemed to be running on all cylinders. As for what we got on deck for tonight, you know we're going to be talking about the Nick Diaz situation. I know our very own Ben, uh, host of Black is the New Black, will be joining us. We're going to talk about the week's MMA news. And, of course, on the wrestling side, We will be discussing the final Raw before Night of Champions, some of the wrestling news of the week, including Hogan back in the news this week, and I'll give you guys my picks for WWE Night of Champions. With regards to our broadcast schedule for the remaining month of September, uh, there are shows both Wednesday and Thursday for the next two weeks. Uh, There may be some schedule changes in October due to some events that we will be covering, so keep it locked as always to our social media accounts for news regarding those events, but we'll always make sure to update you guys well in advance if you are looking forward to a particular show. Uh, With regards to guests, there are some guests that we are working on acquiring, just trying to iron out some details, uh, some MMA fighters, a couple of wrestlers, and once we get full details and scheduling, we'll make sure to share that with you guys as well. I did also want to throw a quick shout-out to Javon Lewis, one of our longtime listeners. Um, He reached out to me about the show last week, and we were discussing my commentary on the Hogan situation, which um, some people felt was a a little strong, a little abrasive, but they understood the message at hand. So I appreciate those of you that reached out, um, expressing kind words with regards to that. But shout-out to Javon Lewis in particular, who usually every week he he gives me little nuggets of, of just positive reinforcement. And it's always good to hear that stuff, especially from listeners, because, again, we put this stuff out there. We know people are listening, but it's always good to interact on a more direct level. All right, so with that, let's get this ball rolling. I know Ben is getting himself queued up to talk about this week's MMA news, so let's get that ball rolling, shall we? Before we get into the MMA news of the week, I do want to address a couple of things with regards to this, the MMA segment and the wrestling segment. Um, I know I mentioned a couple of weeks back the possibility of doing alternating weeks of MMA, and um, we were going to try and execute that starting this month. I know I did mention it. 
Uh, the only reason I have not is just because, as you guys have heard the last couple of weeks, MMA has been tremendously interesting. And um, there's nothing there's nothing bad with that. Um, always a good thing. I should have quieted down my phone. Thank you, Slick. The thing that gets me, though, is that I was talking to a rep from Blog Talk Radio today, and he mentioned a very interesting uh, solution for those of you that prefer only the wrestling portion or only the MMA portion, and that would be to possibly edit the show where we split that in post-production and give you guys each each version of the show uh, something to consider. I may give that a shot in a couple of weeks, try it out, see what you guys think, look at the downloads, and measure it from there. But nonetheless, uh, unless you know MMA starts getting into that lull where shit isn't popping as it usually is, we're going to just keep it as it has been uh, for the time being. Like I said, we were going to test it out this month, but things definitely have been very, very interesting. But with that, let me bring our very own Ben into the mix because we, we got a lot to discuss. Ben, what's going on, brother? How are you? What's up, man? I'm good, man. It's uh, It's been crazy. We were talking about this the last time you were on, how MMA has um, reached a certain lull, and all of a sudden it just it just explodes out of nowhere and it gets really crazy. Yeah, it, it was uh, after all those cars in a row, they, they kind of seemed to take a, a bit of a break, and, and now with you know, the Nick Diaz situation in uh, December, uh, I think that's uh, the Cormier card, I think it's in October, but like October, November, and December, there's, there's going to be a bunch of big fights. <clears throat> yeah, there's going to be a tremendous amount of big fights. I started watching this season of The Ultimate Fighter, and I kind of want to lead in with that, uh, primarily because I haven't seen the second episode yet. That's why I'm not discussing it live like I usually do. But I did see the debut episode and I noticed a couple of things. I definitely feel that the caliber of fighters coming in this season have really stepped it up. They realize that this is a, a guaranteed way for them to get six-figure deals coming into the sport. Uh, the other thing that I noticed is that Conor McGregor's interest level in that episode was pretty much non-existent until certain guys fought. <laughs> He just sat there, oh, you know, this guy came in, he did a little bit of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, he was all right, and then he just chilled. And I'm like, all right, dude, you're supposed to, like, be scouting these guys as potential members of your team, and you're super nonchalant about it. Like, Uriah Faber was, was a little bit more animated, a little bit more exciting, I think primarily because, obviously, Uriah Faber runs his own camp, so he understands you know, the machine, the machine as a whole, but Conor McGregor definitely looked disinterested during the bulk of that show. The only thing I did notice is that the exchanges between, between him and Uriah Faber were hilarious as all hell. And just the, just the way the dude dresses (laughs) was out of this world. But outside of that, I think the fights themselves looked incredibly promising. I DVR'd this week's episode and I wanted to ask you if you saw it, and what did you think? Um, I saw uh, pieces of it. I, I, I didn't haven't got a chance to sit down and watch the whole episode. Um, but uh, it doesn't surprise me that Connor is not particularly interested in doing this show. Um, Connor's a fighter. Like he he's not 
he's not the type of dude that has the mind really for coaching, I feel like, or even caring to coach other people because he's such a, a over-the-top self-promoter. Right. Like, I, I, I think he was offered money to do this, and it was a way to keep him in the public eye. It's not – like, I, I felt like some guys who've done this, like, really take it as an opportunity to, like, you know, get other guys into because a lot of times it ends up being some guys they know. Right. Um, get guys into the USD. And Connor doesn't give a damn about it. Like, he, he's doing it because he was offered money to do it. He doesn't care about yeah, and, the ultimate fighter. Exactly. And and, and, I, and to, a, to a point, I definitely agree. I mean, last week, you know that, they, you know, everybody was talking about that crazy spectacle that they made of themselves, him in particular, at the big event. And, you know, my my opinions on that from last week, I was just like, yo, it, it just turned into a dog and pony show that entire that entire you know length of time that it was and you know i said to myself is this what this season is going to boil down to and don't get me wrong there were a lot of nice little verbal jabs back and forth but it was lighthearted enough that that it could be fun to watch and it didn't detract from the fighters but i said we can't have a whole season of that level of shit talking between them yeah i mean I didn't get a chance to say anything about the Go Big event, um, but uh, it, I understand like him self promoting, right? Because he, he was doing a good job of self promoting, but it took away from everyone else. That's what I there. said, and I like, said he, he made it strictly about him. And I think Dana should have reeled him in and been that's, like, Yo, "You, you calm took down. the words right out of my <laughs> mouth." That's exactly what I said um, last week. I was like, "Hey, you just let him run roughshod." through all your guys and again you know mma it's it's a it's a uh, a brusque uh, abrasive sport so the media coverage is always going to be kind of you know the bros are hooking up and doing something but occasionally real outlets are in there you know sports illustrated espn whatever the case may be and the fact that it just broke down into, you know, I'm going to fuck you up and I'm going to whoop your ass and you're a bitch. And, and I'm like, yo, like, I understand. And again, I, I under I, as a as just a, a person who follows the sport and a person who who enjoys it and the theatrics of it, it's fine. But when you're, quote unquote, trying to be taken seriously, that shit doesn't do. Yeah, especially with Ronda there, because, you know, entertaining with Ronda, the ESPN is there. Yep. Like if Ronda's there, ESPN was there. Yep. Um, it, to to be perfectly honest, it's a it's a fight sport. So I kind of think like a lot of the newspaper or not newspapers, <laughs> a lot of the news organizations, um, they look at that as oh that's what we're getting with the fight sport. I mean, yeah, par for the course. Hell, but... You get this with Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, you you get this when Mayweather, uh, like when Mayweather fought. Like you you get that kind of abrasive language and and kind of you know. Uh, ball grabbing kind of kind of macho attitude it's just it took me aback because i watched it and i was like is at any point is dana going to tell him to stop talking correct it, it got I, it just it got too much like i like connor's personality i, I don't think it's completely genuine no nope. I, I don't think he's actually like this um no nah, the dude turns it up to I, 11 i would be shocked you know? if he's like that all the time yeah he turns it up to 11 and even Uriah Faber, he's like, oh, you know, Connor for the most part is a nice guy. He's a cool dude, a little sensitive, a little over the top, but you know, overall I understand. And then the problem is that 
in in the larger picture, and a lot of people said this in the chat last week, you know, Dana White out of that exchange, letting him run wild like that, he guaranteed himself ten fights. You know, because he pissed off everybody. You know, but the problem with the problem that with that is though. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, exa- exactly. The problem with that is that he's you're you're again, and 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 this is what I said before. You're putting the cart before the horse, and again, putting all your eggs in one basket. You know, you got you got a guy yeah. like Cowboy, you know, Donald Cerrone, who's a, who's a killer. That guy's a killer in every sense of the word. And whether he fights, uh, you know, RDJ and he beats him, or or whether he loses, at the end of the day. That's a guy that steps up and he's a fighter's fighter. You you can't not appreciate his contributions to the sport. And I thought, you know, when we talk about Nick Diaz, Nick Diaz was in that camp. You know, Nick Diaz was a fighter's fighter. You either you either appreciated what he did or you didn't, but at the end of the day, you knew he was going to go in there and and give it 110%. And I think Conor McGregor's giving 110% to the the theatricality of it and he's not just letting the, the he's not letting the 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 ride dictate the pace you know what i mean like he's like he's part he's on the he's on the put let's put it this way he's on the boat for the ride but he's too busy paddling to de- determine the direction instead of letting the water just flow naturally it's like listen you're you gotta fight jose aldo if and when you beat him if you want to go up and fight at at 55 you're welcome to it but one thing at a time you know yeah yeah, that's my point. Like, it's almost as if the I can t- the UFC, if they could strip Aldo of that title, they would. He would no longer have that. Hundred and ten percent. They don't. They know who they want as a champion. Correct. It's con. Like there was no reason for him to have this fake ass belt he's carrying around Ugh. to begin with. <laughs> yeah, like they want him to be champion. Problem with that in fight sports, you can't decide who you want to be champion once you get to the upper levels. He has to fight Jose Aldo. Yeah, yeah um, but here's here's the thing. Let's, oh, oh, the, you know, uh, assuming assuming that shit isn't fixed, you know, like, like let's be realistic. The, yeah. You know. Yeah, be, assuming that shit isn't fixed. You yeah. know, the organization can, let's put it this way, they can lay out the blueprint for a guy to become champion. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Conor McGregor fought a guy. He, I mean, Dennis Seaver is no punk, but it's Dennis Seaver. Let's not fucking kid ourselves. You know what I mean? Like when he got, he was, he was set up to get that interim belt. Egg, they they, perp, they correct they chose Chad Mendez for a reason. Not that Chad Mendez couldn't have possibly beat him. Yep, they chose him when they chose him for a reason. Right. Um. So so I mean, look. I, Connor's got to beat Jose before any of the they, 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 the UFC and Connor are putting the cart before the horse. Yep, hundred percent. He's got to beat Jose first. Once he, if, if he beats Jose, which I don't think he will, but if he does beat Jose, then we can start talking about one fifty five. Yep, and everything else. And Until even then, then, go ahead. Yeah, and even then, and and I, and I think some of the reason that he is so adamant about one fifty five is I don't think Connor can continue to make one forty five. Like forever, like yeah, I, he's I a big one forty five. He's a huge one forty. Him and Jose Aldo are the two biggest one forty fivers. Period. Like they're huge, and both of them. I don't know if Connor has trouble cutting weight, but he looks he looks dry and, and drawn out in weigh-ins. He looks like he cuts an enormous amount of weight on weigh-ins. He rehydrates well, 
but he looks like he cuts a whole lot of weight. So I don't think he can make 145 forever. That's why I think he he's kind of ang- like when you hear him talk about it, he's angling towards like once I beat Jose, I'm not staying here. Like I think he want he wants to be Jose, and then after that, he's like I can't I can't keep like I, I kind of feel like he can't keep making 145 and being effective. But I don't know. I mean, I like Connor. I like the way he fights. I don't think he's as good as some other people think he does. Right. Is. But we'll see in December when he fights Jose Aldo. But, well, he, well you know, here's the thing. I, I just feel like it's gotten too big. When yeah. he says, I've killed the division, I'm like, dude, you only fought like three dudes that mattered. It's like yeah. Frankie Edgar <laughs> would disagree. You know, Chad Mendez yeah. on a full camp would disagree. And I mean, I was a little, I was a little, not taken aback, but when they were doing the Ultimate Fighter and Uriah Faber's like, yo, man, you know, Chad Mendez came came off the couch drinking beers to fight you. And it's like a, the week of the fight, it's like, yo, Chad Mendes is ready. He stays ready, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, afterwards, like, yeah, the dude got off the – he was drinking beers on the couch two weeks before. And I'm just like, see this shit? Like, well, get your, not, that, not that it matters at this point, but it's like when, when Chad Mendes is out there talking about, hey, I came in on two weeks' notice or whatever – and it's like he tries to downplay that loss. It's like, yo, a loss is a loss. And the thing that people should be focusing on is the fact that the dude, quote unquote, got off the couch from drinking beers and took it to Conor McGregor. And but, won the vast majority of that fight. Exactly. And, and, and they <laughs> conveniently sweep the that under the rug. majority of that fight. Yeah, dude. And they sweep it under the rug. So when people are talking about it. And I mean, don't get me wrong. He clowned him at the Go Big event, like, "Oh, dude, you know, you Mike Tyson. You said you were a Mike Tyson in the division. I whooped your ass." And I'm like, "Okay, you could get away with that, but again, dude, you didn't exactly de- decimate that dude when the bell rang." You know what I mean? So I would, yeah, I would pump he, my brakes a little he, bit instead of just assuming. And that. to be honest, I thought Connor would, if Connor didn't wasn't, if Chapman is in, go for that guillotine at the end of the second round. Yep, I kind of think he would have done that for three more rounds. Probably. Like, I mean, not, not, and that's not that's not disrespecting Connor. Connor just can't wrestle. Nope. Like, I like that fight. I was taken aback by how little, he, like, he had that old school. I'm just gonna wrap you up and hope the ref is gonna stand us up. Correct. Like that, that's not how MMA works now. You you got to be attacking off your back or trying to get up. And hundred percent. I I don't want to you know turn the show into you know talking about Connor because no 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 Connor's everywhere now. But yeah, but like it's just. You know, it's just they've got. I, I feel like the Conor hype has gotten out of control. Like it's just it's gotten to to a point, and, and it's good for the sport because it like sub one fifty five. It sucks that you know, like guys like Demetrius Johnson and yep. and you know T.J. Dillashaw don't get the same shine. But it, it's good for the sport that a one forty five er, at worst, he's going to bring attention to Jose Aldo. Yep. At worst, at best, he's going to he's going to win the title and be a huge star. So I think you know, I think it's a really really good for this work. Well, and he's become annoying. Well, I'm glad you brought up Demetrius Johnson and, and TJ Dillashaw. TJ Dillashaw first, because we're finally going to get a fight where Dominic Cruz is actually involved against D, uh, against <laughs> TJ Dillashaw. And um, it's going to happen most likely at UFC Fight Night 81. And, um, you know, it, I, I heard it and I was like, you know what? That's the fight that we need to see. Because, like, don't get me wrong. No. TJ Dillashaw is beating dudes. But there's not anybody head and shoulders that's saying, hey, I should be next. You know, like Dominic Cruz is a good yep. fight 
A, but but let's let's not let's not kid ourselves. That fucking guy has to stay healthy until January. Yeah, I mean, thing with Dominic Cruz is after not fighting for what was it like two and a half years, almost three years. Yep, came back and destroyed Takia Mizugaki. Yep. So if that's what he looks like after like not fighting for a little while, like it, I I don't know what he looks like against a TJ Dillashaw. Um, there, there's going to be a lot of footwork in that fight. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it'll be it'll be a good fight. Um, if they both come into it healthy, and the thing with Dominic Cruz, unfortunately, he's he's got <laughs> as Taylor calls <laughs> calls him Lego knees. Like he just yep. his knees, it, something about his ACL, they just they seem to tear. Um, yep. So if he's able to to make it to the fight, I, I, I would love. To see, I'm I'm going to thoroughly enjoy seeing it. I, I I I like that fight, and I also like the fact that T.J. Dillashaw said, you know, if he, he you know. He gets through, you know, he defeats Dominic Cruz. He'd be open to doing a super fight with Demetrius Johnson. And again, you and I, you know, we've had our we've had our discussions about super fights. But you know what? That's the most plausible one that actually makes the most sense. Because Demetrius Johnson has nobody left. <laughs> oh, he's cleared that division. Like he has cleared his division. Yep. There is no one for him to fight. Um, and if I'm Demetrius Johnson, I've talked to the UFC about letting me keep the 125 belt, move up to 135 and challenge for his belt. That's and try to 100%. hold both belts. Because to be perfectly honest, like, there's no one for him to fight yep. at 125. He's beaten everyone and not just beaten them, made it where you don't want to see them fight him again. That's ex- like, 100%. The, the first John Dawson fight, was close. Um, I personally had John Dawson winning the first three rounds. The second one, he didn't win a round at all. No. Um, but, but I also that said, was, that was, no. Ahead. What I was going to say was, I said last week about that. I'm like, John Dawson had to switch off from being happy father, from his kid just being born, to jump back into the mindset of being a killer. That doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, that, that's a that's a factor. Although I kind of feel like the same, the outcome would have been the same anyway. Like I, I feel like Demetrius Johnson because we've seen this in his rematches before. He rematched Ian McCall. First fight was close. Second fight, he blew him out of the water. The same thing with the uh, Justin Benavides fight. First fight was close. Second fight, he made him look like he had been shot in the face on yep. national television. That but is true. <laughs> and so he he. I felt like he his game and his game plan was excellent. Like he, I love when fighters um, use pressure correctly, right. not like Diego Sanchez pressure <laughs> where they're just swinging and getting hit in the face. I mean, like where they use it where they are they eliminating all of your weapons by simply not letting you do anything. He he literally everything that John Dawson did well, he just took it from him and wouldn't giving him any time to reset. Nope. I mean, even when John Dawson kicked him, kicked him in the box, he told Herbie, "Get out my way! There will be no breaks." Yep. <laughs> and like, uh, apparently, he told John Dawson at, at that moment. Like, um, I, I watched the audio again. Like, when he got kicked in the balls, he was like, "Get out my way!" And he looked at John Dawson and said, "No breaks." Like, he wasn't. He didn't give him a moment to reset. And the, I mean, Demetrius Johnson is—he is, might be the best pound for pound, point blank, most skilled fighter on the planet. 
I mean, yeah, his you fight just don't get guys that are as good at everything as he is. No, his skills are are ridiculous, and you know to dismantle a guy who was pretty much your the favorite in the division to possibly dethrone you in such spectacular fashion was tremendous. Now the problem with this is that the UFC didn't capitalize on that momentum by saying, "Hey, you know, you've cleared out your division." You want to make a run at that 135? Like, like, like that's what you do. You know what I mean? Like, you set it up like, all right, he's defeated everybody. And what's next? And, you know, the, right there, it should have been like Joe. You, know, you could have fed Joe Rogan that line like, yo, is TJ Dillashaw next? And that would have been the setup, you know? Yeah, I think they want to try to get Henry Cejudo um, to fight him. The problem with Henry Cejudo is, and I, and I think Henry Cejudo could be a good fighter at 125. He'd still get his ass beat by like I mean a lot of these dudes would be really good fight are really good fighters at 125. They're just going to lose badly to Demetrius Johnson. That's just right. what the fight is going to look like. So I I I would have done that. I would have at least hint like I would have at least asked him yeah, about I, a super yep. fight. But exactly, I would have at least laid the groundwork I I, to make but, it more engagement, making more make it more engaging. When you got the fucking people walking out of the building, you know? <laughs> yeah, and also, like, I feel like the UFC, and, and I don't think it's on purpose. Like, I don't think they're purposely trying to sabotage him. No, 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 like, no, no. I don't think they're purposely, like, because a lot of times with his cars, like, <laughs> they're supposed to be a different main event. Something happens, that main event falls out, and then he has to end up being the main event. And, 100%. You know, there's this weird bias towards 125ers where it's like, well, they're not. I mean, they they don't knock each other out. Blah blah blah. So, I don't think the UFC has tried to sabotage him. But unfortunately, you know, it's a, it's one. He's small. I mean, dude's like five foot three. Like he's a small dude. He's not particularly interesting. I find him interesting just from you know I'm a fight nerd. Like I find the things he does in the cage interesting. I mean, outside the cage, I mean, he plays video games and he's a dad. He that's him. Like he he doesn't really do anything else. He he's not out here with crazy tattoos and a crazy mustache like Ian McCall. He's not a real life cartoon character like John Dawson. He's just <laughs> a, dude, a dude that fights good. Yep, like, that's just who he is. No, I, so, I understand. I that. mean that. Yeah, that that doesn't really help him much. But I, I just feel like either it, there's there's no foil for him that that helps him build. Like Joe Dowd is going to get built up by Conor, the Conor McGregor fight. That's his foil. Yep. There's, there's nobody for him like that. So I think moving him up, promoting that fight, like, you know, this, this is a unification bout or uh, I don't know about unification, but, you know, if he wins, he gets both titles. Um, I would do that. I think that would be really I think that would be really cool. I think that would be a really cool thing if, if the timing is right to do in UFC 200. I agree. UFC 200 is a perfect card for that. I agree 100%. Yeah. I did. Um. So I mean, I, I don't, I don't know when they're gonna, if, when or if, but it would be really cool for that. Well, he took no damage in that fight, dude. You could probably ask that guy if he's ready to fight tomorrow. <laughs> he might be like, "Yo, I'm good." He probably could fight tomorrow. I mean, he, he really, I don't remember him ever getting hit cleanly. No, not clean. A lot of At glancing blows, a lot of exchanges, but he dipped in and out enough that you know he could probably be ready in a month to fight. Yeah. So, well, I did. Yeah. I I wanted to switch gears a little bit and jump into some Bellator stuff, obviously, because they got that huge card this weekend, which is 
bananas. It is tremendous. For those of you that don't know, they're doing uh, Bellator 142 Dynamite, which is going to have MMA and kickboxing on the card. They're going to have a ring and a cage set up. The ring for the kickboxing fights, the cage for the MMA fights, which is unheard of and ridiculous on so many levels. It reminds me of uh, WCW War Games. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say War Games. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it feels like, but they got some good fights on there. Uh, they're doing the light heavyweight tournament, which um, Phil Davis and Emmanuel Newton are on that are on that tournament, and uh, King Mo and Linton Vassell, and of course the winners of that will face off in the final. Josh Thompson's on that card. You got three glory kickboxing matches, including one for their light heavyweight title, and which n- everybody was shocked when they heard it. Tito Ortiz is challenging for the light heavyweight title in the main event. Um, Overall, though, that's it's a it's a wild card. I just want to see it just for the sake of spectacle. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, they, I mean, the fact they're doing kickboxing and all that, like, I, I'm 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 interested to see it. If it could go all great, or it could be a horrible waste of everyone's time. Yep. I mean, I it, it, <laughs> it really could, like, especially like that light heavyweight tournament, like. There's a reason they don't do one night tournaments in uh, modern MMA. Like there's there's a reason. So like I'm I it'd be interesting to see, but I don't know, man. Like it just well uh, that part, and then you know Tito Ortiz uh, fighting Liam McGeary is. <laughs> well, I got a, I got a question for you. Just just on off the cuff, who's your favorite to take that light mm-hmm. heavyweight tournament? Probably Phil Davis. Um, they they set it up <laughs> to hopefully get Phil Davis and King Mo in the final. That's the way they've set it up, right? Um, so I mean, probably Phil Davis by a lot of a lot of wrestling, right? <laughs> Especially when you're doing a one night tournament, like a lot of a lot of wrestling. Like I, I just I, I feel like that's what we're gonna see from him and King Mo. Um. And they will be in the finals, and then there'll be a glorified wrestling match with punches because they'll probably be both tired of shit, and Phil Davis will probably win. Well, then, going looking ahead a little bit, if Phil Davis were to win, it's like he's either fighting Liam McGarry or Tito Ortiz. On paper, you want to see him fight Liam McGarry, obviously, for the, uh, the obvious reasons. Yeah. For some reason, Tito pulls out the upset. Do we really want to he see Phil Tito. Davis and Tito Ortiz? He might literally kill Tito, <laughs> like accidentally. Like, it, it, first of all, I, I, I watched the last Bellator card, um, the one with Melvin Gillard on. Melvin oh, Gillard out here God. On. What a, what a <laughs> card, train wreck um, that card was. Yeah, the, the little <laughs> promo Tito cut, Ugh. that shit was corny as hell. I'm going to smash Long pause. Your face, like what? What are you doing? <laughs> Bellator, like Bellator takes does so many things well sometimes, and then you have Tito Ortiz, who for no real reason has this really prominent role, and it's it's like this is 2015. Like Tito Ortiz, my dad knew about. Like my dad <laughs> told me about Tito Ortiz. I was like 13 when Tito Ortiz was fighting like. Fighters in a lion's den. Like, oh, that, like that told him about Tito Ortiz. Like, he should not still be Prominent. in anyone's title. 
picture yep. in a in a in a in a major organization. He barely beat an old, worn down Stephen Bonner. This he, is true. First of all, he's not going to beat Liam McGeary, and <laughs> if by some crazy circumstance he did. Phil Davis or King Mo or Emmanuel Noon or that other guy. I don't even know who the hell he is. Linton Vassell. We'll probably beat him to death. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, well, you know what the, beat him to death. You know what the thing is with Tito Ortiz, and, and I look at Bellator in this instance. Bellator right now is WCW right before the Attitude Era. <laughs> you know, like they got a whole bunch of old guys. You know, a whole bunch of young upstart guys that are worth watching that got a little bit of name recognition, but they aren't there. And then you got a couple of old dudes that you throw in because they still they still generate a buzz. Now, whether that buzz is necessarily good or bad is debatable, but that's kind of how I look at it. I mean, the glory fights are going to be, I think, are going to be really good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. King Mo, if King Mo gets in there with Tito, they'd probably sell that fight on shit talking alone. Oh. But King Mo would kill him dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, King Mo would beat Tito. God, that would be a terrible fight with Tito. What, what, what is Tito going to do to King Mo? Take him down? Against an Olympic-level <laughs> wrestler anyway? Yeah, okay. Yeah, and like King Mo, <laughs> even though he, he relies on it too much, his boxing, uh, he can beat the shit out of Tito on the feet. Like, it just wouldn't even be, like, no. Like, ugh. You know that that match, nah, like, that fight was supposed to have been Tito versus Rampage till Rampage did the dip. Yeah, that's and that would have been bad for Tito as well. Yep. Like, I mean, like Rampage is not the Rampage of 2006 no. or so, but he's still way better than Tito. Tito is not a good fighter anymore. He's not a top 30 light heavyweight anymore. Nah, like, definitely he's not. He's just not. Like, and it's... And there's no shame in that. Nope. He's like almost 40. Like, there's no shame. He's been fighting forever. There's no shame in being an older fighter who's not as good as you were anymore. Like, it's there's no shame in it. Yeah, but and for... And, like, them parading him out yeah. is just ridiculous. <laughs> well, here's the here's the thing. When, when you're still fighting and Randy Couture's retired, that's a problem. Yeah, Randy Couture is like, man, fuck this. I don't need this no more. Like, nope. He's paid. <laughs> I mean, even Tito is paid. Tito is, I mean, Tito makes money from punishment still, you know, he's still got a couple fighters. And I mean, even if you wanted to go into management, ex- excluding Cyborg, who he managed terribly, but if you wanted to go into that, he, he probably could, but like his, his fighting career, like this guy, if he beats Liam McGarry, no joke, it's either because Tito was lo- fortunate or Liam McGarry just wasn't that good. Like, yeah. If if he no, it, it'll be Liam McGeary isn't that good. It will be Liam McGeary is terrible. Like <laughs> at this point, at this point, that you should not lose to him unless you get caught like a with a lucky punch like Ryan Bader did. Yeah. Like nine times out of ten, Ryan Bader beats the hell out of Tito Ortiz. He got caught with a lucky punch, Carmen Guilty. That's it. Like unless you get caught like that, there's no excuse for if you're a top thirty light heavyweight losing to Tito Ortiz at this point. Nope, definitely not. Um, on the other Bellator, Bellator side of things, the um, we finally are getting Bobby Lashley and James Thompson, uh, which, um, yeah, exactly. But they're putting it okay. on a card, which is surprisingly solid with uh, Patricio uh, Pitbull taking on Daniel Strauss and Will Brooks taking on Marcin Held. So I'll take that. 
You know, like throwing that Bobby Lashley James Thompson match in there. You know, it'll probably be the opener for for the main card. So we know what to Bobby expect. Bobby Lashley's gonna take him down. Bobby Lashley's gonna take him down and hit him with little little hammer fists for three rounds. Well, you know I, what the thing is, Bobby Lashley fighting is always weird to me because he is he like he's a guy that has the tools but hasn't figured out how to bring them all together. Like. He gets the guy on the ground and he's just like staring blankly into the corner, like what now? It's like punch him in the face. Okay, I punch him. I punched him in the face. What now? Like he he hasn't figured out either because the game plan goes out the window or just because he hasn't figured out a way to bring it together. I mean, he's he's an he's a solid fighter and he looks good in there, but he looks confused as all hell most times. And yeah, and he's getting kind of old. Like it's at this point, this is what he is. Um, he, he's the, the thing with Bobby Lashley is is around the time he started doing MMA, it was basically compared to Bobby Lesnar. They were two different, <laughs> two different breeds of athlete. Yep. And um, they have they didn't develop the same way. Bobby Lashley developed very very poorly and has developed really slowly. Brock Lesnar was fighting for a UFC title in his sixth fight and, and winning yep. like that, that was just that was that was the difference between them there were two different classes of athletes Bobby Lashley I don't know man like he looks he looks like a way smaller dude in a muscle suit to me like he just oh, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> like he looks like he's wearing a giant suit of muscle like he just I don't know he's he I don't. I don't know. Like I haven't. I, I don't watch TNA, but I haven't seen him wrestle, wrestle in I don't know how long. His wrestling is he, the same as I his fighting, know. though. His wrestling is the the, the 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 only differentiator between his wrestling and and his and his MMA is the fact that in his wrestling he kind of knows what to do because somebody's dictating the pace. You know, when he takes the driver's seat in a fight, it's like he blanks out. <laughs> it really is. Uh. Yeah, Which is just I, not good. Yeah. So yeah, he. Yeah. No. They slapped them in there. They slapped them in there with a with a in, on a solid card though. You know, for the for the one forty five card, which is fine. I could take that. Oh yeah, most definitely. Because I think Daniel yeah, Strice and Pitbull are going to be tremendous. Yep, and I, I love watching World Bulls fight. That's a dude that could easily be in the title picture in the UFC. Yeah, well, you know, I, we'll, we'll get into that because. Um, we finally got a, a, an update of when when Eddie Alvarez is fighting, but we'll talk about that later in the segment. I um, mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about what's going on with the commission on two fronts. Number one, Jake Shields getting assigned fifty hours of community service for um, you know, punching Husamar Paul Harris in the face. Um, you know, Jake Shields had a very very solid argument as to why it went the way it went. Um. Pat Lundvall said, you know, she doesn't think that two wrongs make a right, but I can understand what appears to be almost an involuntary reflex in that type of circumstance. That was what Pat Lundvall said. And I said to myself when I read that, I'm like, uh, yeah, well, the guy it has a reputation for ripping your limbs off. So an involuntary reflex is kind of expected. Yeah, I I, I didn't expect him to get completely scot free because he did strike someone out to the bell. Right. Um, Fifty hours of community service. I mean, it's walk not, in the park. I mean, yeah, it's it's not that bad. Um, 
I would prefer nothing happened to him. And I, pre- I would prefer them giving Paul Harris a lifetime ban. Like he shouldn't be fighting. Like it's got it's gotten to the point at this point. Like you don't know how to conduct yourself. Nope. Like a normal person. Correct. So you don't fight anymore. Like it, that should be that should be it. Like he has done this. His in, his whole career, pretty much, he blanks he out. It's like he blanks out, dude, yeah, and he and, doesn't know to shut it off. Yeah, and it, and then it wasn't even just that in the fight. He was eye gouging him. Yep. And see my other guy, he being a horrible ref, just ignored it. <laughs> like, like it just like no, they just need they need to just you shouldn't be fighting anymore. And and the fact that like Paul Harris doesn't seem to understand yep. why everyone calls him like, he legit doesn't seem to understand why anyone calls him a dirty fighter. Yep, he's, like, he's fighting. confused. He's like I'm just I'm just doing my job. It's like no, dude, you're not doing your you job. Pull- you're insane, and you're and you're and you're trying to end dudes' careers in there. Yeah, like you can't like that's not the point. Like the point is to win and like everybody go home like as, as best as you can. You out here tearing people's ACLs all all willy nilly in, in the UFC, right. and then now you trying to rip Jake Shears' arm out the socket. Long after he's tapped, why are you why are you still cranking? Why yep. does the referee have to literally pry you off? Like that's not necessary. So I I believe Paul Harris should have got a lifetime ban. Well, he he um he asked for a continuance, so he's going to appear next month. But I would not be shocked, especially the way that the that the commission was speaking about Jake Shields and how he reacted. And they were pretty much like, yeah, dude, we kind of understand why you did what you did. So I have a feeling when Paul Harris comes in there next month, it's not going to be a good day for the dude at all. No, you they handing out punishment like they were earlier this week. It should be a lifetime ban. Well, that's that. that I'm, I'm glad you said that because that, that takes us into – the Nick Diaz situation. Now, before we we break it down, for those of you that don't know, Nick Diaz and Anderson Silva were both found to have tested positive for banned substances. In Anderson Silva's case, it was a litany of different things. And um, in Nick Diaz's case, it was weed. And (laughs) now... Under very shaky circumstances. Exactly. Under very questionable circumstances, there was weed in his system. Now, my issue is the fact that and people were bringing up John Jones' situation left and right. And you and I, we, not we, not, we've, and we talked about that. Not the same because, you know, the whole Coke thing isn't considered, which is just stupid. But the thing that gets me is the guys that have been testing positive for juice left and right, they're like, yeah, six months for you. Oh, time served for you. Like Anderson Silva was essentially given time served. And yeah. then he he fights in January. Like, how does Nick Diaz get a five year ban off the same card, even though the guy that had more shit in his system than him got time served and if he wants to can fight in January? Like that's what that just yeah. blew my mind, dude. That I saw that and I'm like, did that re- is this really happening? Because that's what yeah. tripped me out. Oh, well, okay. Go ahead, man. Yeah, the, the, um, there, there's a couple points I want to make about it. Um, first point, um, in regards to the John Jones thing. Uh, John Jones with the cocaine metabolites or whatever, 
that test was actually never supposed to be seen by us. Right. That literally was never supposed to be seen by anyone. No. The, the Nevada State Athletic Commission doesn't know how to fucking do their jobs, and somehow that got out. Like, that was literally not something that should have been public knowledge at oh, any point. No, but um, but but aside from so, that, not to cut you off, but aside from that, it is still cocaine in the, in a fighter system. You know what I mean? Whether the test was no, supposed I, to have I come out <laughs> or not come out, the way the commission just took this nonchalant stance on it is is what I, and I can understand how people are bringing that up because the commission it's like yo you are so nonchalant about the shit that people like the fans were angrier than even the UFC was like I think the, no, the and, and I agree with you I don't, I don't want to come off like I'm defending oh, no, 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 no. doing cocaine no no I I know yeah. but I just wanted <laughs> to kind of throw like, I wanted to put that out there you know yeah. that people people are upset but the circumstances, while they may be similar, the anger isn't as as clear cut as it should be. Yeah, and also with with, with this Nick Diaz thing, um, the reason we both said shaky circumstances is he was tested three times. Yep, two of them came back completely clean. They they both went. They both had a B sample. When when you get drug tested for athletic uh, competitions, uh, for those who don't know, um, you get an A and a B sample to avoid. Um, False positives. Right. Um, two of his tests had an A and a B sample. The B, they were both sent, they were both taken by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. They they tested them. Then they sent them to WADA, which I forgot what the acronym of WADA is, but it's a, a World Athletic World, Doping Agency. Yep, World Athletic Doping Agency. There you go. Like I, I forgot what it was, but uh, yeah. For some reason, the second one, uh, or, or the one that was that that tested positive, never had a B sample. And never was sent to water. Like neither one of those things happened. So he was tested three times, came back clean twice. But the one that had no B sample and never went to water was the one that they're suspending him over, which makes zero sense. Which is what his lawyers were bringing up. Right. Um. So it was almost as if the fact that he had the gall to try to defend himself offended them. Yep, and they were like, "No, nah, fuck you! You ain't fighting ever again." Like, like one of one of them was like, "You deserve a lifetime ban." Yep, for some weed. Hundred like, percent. I understand he's a repeat offender. I understand he's a repeat offender, but it's weed. Right, and like, that's it's, it's. No, go ahead. Go ahead and finish. <laughs> it, it's all it is is weed. Like I understand y'all have it for some arcane, stupid reason. You still have it on the PDs. But you have to take into account what weed actually is. You can't just look at that and be like, what's the PED on here? Even though I know as a, as a sane person, I know that he's not getting any athletic benefit from smoking weed. Also, there's a bunch of circumstances around that test that he probably wasn't even – he probably – Nick Diaz, I guarantee you, was smoking before his fight. But he probably wasn't at the level that was high enough to go off. That that was what the two other samples showed. Right. So you get this sample with all these circumstances around it, and you just ignore the extra circumstances. And just be like, fuck that. We suspended you five years. Like, like it just. I don't know. It just. It was stupid to me. Well, here's the thing. When when Kung Lee had his weird testing issue, and Kung Lee fought the commission, everybody was like, oh well, whatever. And then obviously for Nick Diaz, there's this huge outpouring of support. 
which obviously the, the circumstances were different, but both guys fought the commission. Kung Lee won, and he just said afterwards that he felt insulted and he chose not to compete ever again. He said, fuck it, I'm not going to do it. In Nick Diaz's case, and this is what I was saying, I said this to my wife earlier, I said, you banning this guy for five years is essentially putting putting a death sentence on his career. Like, that's the long and short of it. His over. Yeah, and then what got me was the fact that you know, they gave him the $165,000 fight, and, you know, do do I think that the commission was pissed off that he invoked the Fifth Amendment for a lot of his questions? Yes. I'm sure as soon I'm sure when they asked me, he's like, you know, I plead the Fifth. I'm sure the commission was like, no, fuck you. You're not pleading the Fifth. But the problem is that it was, you know, for for that type of stuff, Especially in the climate we're in, where marijuana is becoming legalized in so many places, it's you can't you can't just use a broad stroke defense. Like, yeah, you know, three three strikes and you're and you're out, or whatever the case may be. It's like the climate has changed. If you would have told me weed ten years ago, then I would have been like, all right, shit's a little, you know, they they warned you. And that's what a lot of people jumped out of the woodwork. They're like, yeah, well, you know, there are rules in place and blah, blah, blah. Right. There are rules in place. There are. But when guys who have literally put entire chemistry sets in their body are still fighting, Vitor Belfort, we're looking at you. Then, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, Like, how many of these guys have been popped and are still actively competing? And, yeah, you know, they've skated, they've skated, they've skirted whatever testing is out there, but that doesn't mean that they're still not on the shit. I mean, when he came out of the hearing and, you know, he put out that little video clip and he was just like, yo, there are dudes right now in this sport that are juicing that just haven't been caught dudes left and right that are on the shit. I smoke some weed. Okay. But uh, my body is clean. And you know what? Uh, whether whether I like Nick Diaz or I didn't like Nick Diaz, it's like the dude makes he has a solid point. It's like, yo, you're dealing in a climate where marijuana's legal in in a couple of states. Like the shit is legit. And then there's even paperwork that's floating around that says that they tried to get him a marijuana exemption before his fight. Mm-hmm. Which again, if they, if there was an exemption, whether it was filed or not filed, but it was documented on paper somewhere legitimately then what the hell you know like find the guy the 165 tell him to sit home for six more months and let the guy fight i'm sure that nick diaz if he would have been given a six-month suspension and fined and he would have fought he probably would have fought once or twice more and retired because he would have taken big payday fights and walked away yeah it's just the 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 ridiculous the ridiculousness of this ruling just I, I don't understand how they can in good conscience just be like you we're giving you a five year suspension for some weed like it's nope. just, it doesn't it doesn't compute I listen if there were standards and practices in place across all governing bodies about marijuana. As the climate changes and the acceptance of marijuana in everyday life were, were to change, I'm sure every organization is going to start looking at it differently. That's that's how I see it. You know, you're you're looking. You're at looking, least they should. Right. They would they would sit down and say, you know, the climate has changed, or this is how things have evolved, 
or X or Y, and this is how we're going to do it. Instead of just, hey, we're taking this really strong stance on PEDs, and this is what we're going to do. It's, it almost felt to me, after I saw the breakdown of that hearing, that they just wanted to make an example of him. And what they don't realize... I kind of feel like that, too. Like, yep. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like that, too. Plus, he, he's going to appeal this and probably win. Yep. Like, there's there are actual there's actual evidence that he might not have been over limit because that because of that that test that was that um was the one that came back positive like and and like i said like they, it felt like not only did they try to make an example of him but the Nevada state athletic commission has had this weird um power trip like if you come in there and try to defend yourself yep. like they kind of like get offended like 100% they, they They've done this to boxers too. Like they get, like, like you're trying to defend. You're trying to. We've caught you doing something, or we think we caught you. Now you're trying to discredit that. Well, this ain't a real court, so we can just suspend you, right? Just because we feel like it. And well, it's almost it, like it's they say. Well, no, it, it, I'm glad you you painted it that way because it's like it's almost as if they say you're not humbling yourself before us, even though we command. Uh, you know, we control your career. And a lot of these guys, especially if you have legitimate, like you have a good lawyer or you have a legit defense, they don't want to hear it. They're like, all right, fuck, we're going to sit here for three hours. Like Jake Shields, he defended himself, but they still had to get something in there. Like going, going down, going down that list. It's like, all right, Jake Shields, we know why you did it. We kind of understand, but you're not getting off scot-free. That's fine. Even in Nick Diaz's case, they could have been like, Nick, you know the deal. You know where we stand when it comes to marijuana. We understand if you need it or you have to use it or whatever the case may be. But if you continue to want to perform the, the, the you know, in, in mixed martial arts, you're going to something's got to give. You know what I mean? Like, like you don't have to come yeah. out and be like, yo, we're going to we're going to we're going to crush your 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 livelihood in one fell swoop again over something that is starting to be legalized on a bro- on a broad level and that's not me you yeah. know saying that weed is is good or bad you know i've mentioned on air before you know i'm a straight edge person but i don't pass judgment on something like that especially in a climate where it's becoming the norm you know what i mean like it's not it's not like weed is yeah. is this taboo thing anymore it's 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 it, like people just it's weed <laughs> that's it you know <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean it's 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 real like like we both said, it's it's unfortunate that they went out of their way to, to basically end this guy's career. I mean, he could go for take France overseas. Um, I don't know if he's still under contract with the UFC, but I, I don't see why they wouldn't let him out of it. Well the um, thing he they take fights overseas, but Yeah, and that's and that's another thing too. I mean the UFC they they know and and that's what gets me and that's what's gonna take me into the next part of this. Like, Joe Rogan is like, yo, this is bullshit. And if anybody has anything to say about weed, it's Joe Rogan. And he was just like, yo, yo, this is bullshit. Like, he was super vocal, extremely vocal. And more and more fighters are coming out of the woodwork. Like, when Ronda Rousey doing her her press in, in Australia pretty much was just like, yo, I'm sorry nobody asked me anything about it, but I think it's bullshit. You know it's it's a problem. Yeah, I know that. 
all these fighters know. Like all these fighters are looking at it because they all know there are do they all know there are girls and and men that are on steroids that just haven't been caught yet. And even when they're caught, they're going to get six months, and like that person could have ruined your career, right? On these steroids, and all he did was smoke weed, right? And may not have even been tested positive, right? But all he did was smoke some weed, and you were suspending him five years. Like they all know, so it's it. I don't, that's why that's why they are being vocal about it. Well, here's the thing too. It's like you know, hoping that that's not the case. But who's to say that five years from now, if Nick Diaz weren't fighting, that marijuana would be legal in half the country? <laughs> you know, like like what do you I mean, do then? To be honest, that's the way it's going. I mean, yep, it's going the it's, there. Where where Nick Diaz lives, where Nick Diaz lives in California, is legal. Yep, like he he. He Most, has a card. I believe him and his brother have medical. Yep, they have medical exemptions. I remember watching some uh, thing with them. They have medical exemptions. It's completely legal where they stay. Yep. Like, it's, 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 it's and, stupid. Well, like, you know, the sad thing was Nick Diaz, he put out like a statement, which was shared on social media. And I read it. And, you know, I read a lot of the stuff. And, you know, he really gave a, a glimpse into, you know, his life, his personal and why he does what he does. And for him to close it out, and he's like, you know, I just feel bad that I can't be there for my brother or that I even brought my brother into this shit and can't even fight enough to get him out of it. Like, reading that, it's just, like, psychologically, there's something else at play, whatever the case is. But for him to just look at it, look at it that way and to, and to put it that way on paper, it, it just tripped me out because I'm like, you know, you got this guy... He approaches the fight game in a different in a different fashion. Like he said in his thing, he goes, yo, I was Conor McGregor before Conor McGregor was the buzzword, which is true. He was like, you know, I was yeah. the one that was out there derailing press conferences and talking shit and just causing chaos and giving Dana White gray hair if he wasn't bald. You know, I was that guy. And I think he said that also because he kind of feels like, yo, the organization isn't even trying to help me. I understand why he would feel that way, but the UFC really can't do anything. Like, unfortunately, and 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 the UFC in, in this particular situation is kind of at the mercy of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Like they they can ask, they can suggest, but like they can't. They have no control over this rule. Like, and I and I saw some people like, oh, you know, they backed John Jones. They didn't have to back John Jones because the Nevada State Athletic Commission was never going to do anything to him. Yep. Like that, they they didn't have to back John Jones. Like they they didn't. <laughs> well, here's so the thing. It's like it's. I, I'm glad I'm glad you put it that way. But here's here's and and let's not fucking kid ourselves. Las Vegas is built on fucking money. Everybody's palm yeah. gets greased for something. And at the end of the day, it's a matter of is this a guy that we need in this sport and can we pull some strings to to help him out? And and the UFC either consciously does or consciously doesn't. I mean, the in the John Jones's case, in John Jones's case, there were three separate factors. The test got out that shouldn't have got out and the commission is just fucking stupid for not even looking at coke as a PED, but that's separate. But at the end of the day, the the UFC couldn't even hide that if they wanted to. They're like, yo, your fighter's on coke. They couldn't be like, yeah, we know. You know what I mean? Like, it, like 
you can't go into a press row and be like, oh, no, how do you feel about that? And it's like, uh, we kind of knew that that's not good, you know? They knew before he got tested for it. Exactly. Like, for it, like, like they knew. Right. And <laughs> they knew they knew what the deal was. In Nick Diaz's case, and this is the thing that gets me, nobody's shocked that Nick Diaz smoke, smokes weed. And for it to escalate to this level without some sort of, hey, you know, let's just make him fight in another fucking state. Like, like, and that's what, that's what gets me. Like the UFC knows that the dude is, 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 is smokes weed. So why set yourself and him up to deal with that unnecessary aggravation? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I, I don't want to put all the, a whole lot of blame on the UFC with this situation because not at all. Yeah, I feel like another reason they might not be going out of their way to see if they can help him, even though I wouldn't be surprised behind closed doors they they've you know asked you know you know is there something we can do you know to get this ridiculous or beforehand or whatever. But um, he don't play ball. He's not exactly <laughs> easy. Yep. Yeah, to work with like Nick Diaz is over od hard to work with. Like he will not show the press conferences. For no apparent reason, right? He just won't show up. Uh, he's he's a hard dude to work with. Not not hard in even the right word. Nearly impossible guy to work with. And I can <laughs> see why the UFC is like exactly. No, I am. Like, you're as right. Much as I, yeah, as much as uh, I love Nick Diaz, like he did things to sabotage. He he was always talking about making more money, but he always did things that undercut his ability to make that money. Right. Like he he. The the first what was it first George St Pierre and him fight like he was the reason it didn't happen, um, like th- there's just certain things that he does like yo you can't you can't want the perks of being a superstar like the cash of it and then not do any of the the media or any of show simply show up places right he's not even talking to nobody just simply show up but and here's he, he a lot of times it wouldn't do that. Well, that's and, and you know what it is. While while that is true, I I want to cite and, and and again, this is also based on draw. Like Brock Lesnar does zero press for the WWE. Shit, I'm shocked he did press when he was in the UFC because he's another reclusive fucking dude. But the thing is, <laughs> exactly, you know what I mean. But he but the thing is that to 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 your point, the UFC didn't and and. and whether it's right or wrong or we're right or wrong, they just saw no upside for it, you know? They saw no upside to 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 put a word in for Nick Diaz. Yeah. I mean, they 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 were like, I mean, how much how much money could he feasibly bring us if he fought again? Like there, there aren't a whole bunch of. Exactly. I mean, there's fights that I would like to see Nick Diaz take, but there aren't a whole bunch of fights per se that are like really big draws per se. And on um, the thing with Nick Diaz is like a lot of his antics, people don't realize like he's a good fighter. Right. And a lot of his antics, kind of like I saw, was it Kotaku? That wrote an article. That yeah, I shared like they that. Had no idea what the hell they were talking about. I shared that, and he, I was yeah. I was horrified when I read it, dude. Yeah, I read the article, and I'm like, 
y'all, y'all just saw some gifts of the Anderson Silver fight. Like y'all, y'all have no fucking idea what you're talking about. Like, nope. like uh, big business. I wouldn't even call him weird. Like, it's, he's not you weird. Have no idea what you're talking. Zero. He, he's not weird. Like, there's a there's a reason that he fights like that. There was yep. a reason he fought like. There, there's a reason. He, well, some of the stuff he did in the Anderson Silver fight, I thought was hilarious but other fights where he's talking and doing certain things there's a reason he's doing that now right. part of the end of silver fight i don't think there was like laying on the ground i don't think there was a reason for him to do that oh I that was a that was a but, clown move in its in its uh, in its own right yeah it was hilarious but like i don't, I don't think i don't think there was a strategic reason he was doing that but Hell other no. fights, there's the reason he's talking to you and and most he wants you to come to there, there's a we've talked about it before there's a strategic reason he does that right Hundred percent. Like reading that article, like they had no fucking idea what they were talking about. Like I don't know who writes the MMA articles, and, and I'm not trying to sound like I'm, you know, or, or, or we in general like are the biggest MMA fan in the world, but like they don't know what the fuck they were talking about. Yep. But anyway, like and and, and, and that hurts, uh, and that hurts, and I'll tell you why. Reading that hurts, and and you know, uh, Slick said to me, he's like, yeah, you know, but you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be not upset, but. The, and and I understood where he was coming from, but it uh, it bothers me because when you're a mainstream outlet and you put out shit like that, not not shit, but just uh, non non intensively researched information about something that's trending on Twitter, because that's what the fuck you're doing. You're seeing oh what's to what what's what's trending on Twitter right now? Oh, let me check. Oh, Nick Diaz. What do we know about Nick Diaz? You know? And um Yeah. It's it's crazy to me. And that it's yeah, no. you know, like I see that and and mainstream media outlets they'll go and they'll say some shit and all of a sudden people read that and they think that that's the real story and that is where I take, you know, I take umbrage, I take offense because I'm like, listen, there's more to the story. There's 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 psychological stuff. There's monetary stuff. There's commission level detail. It's like don't just throw it out there because that's what's trending on Twitter at twelve o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. You know, like that. Don't do that because what that does is the yeah. mainstream casual person that reads that is going to think that wow, this guy got what he deserved. I mean, a lot of people came out and they're like, well, they do have rules in place, and it's like, yes, there are rules in place, and we can all read them. But it's not it's not that cut and fucking dry. It's not. Yeah. Like, I mean, the the type of people that are reading that Kotaku article aren't going to like a bloody elbow and reading their article on it. No. Um, aren't going to the MMA section at Bleacher Report and reading their article on it or 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 uh MMA Weekly or, or MMA Junk. Like they're not going to shirt off they're not going to the actual websites for this stuff to to read op eds and to read actual accounts of what went on they, they're they just reading Kotak they're, they're scrolling through what, what the hell does that cut some video game review right and like oh they have a Nick D like uh, MMA fighter what's this like that right clickbait in it, it you know that that kind of sucks but well you know. to, to you know in short we'll see what happens when he appeals it and we'll definitely revisit that the other thing I wanted to talk about in terms of suspect moves is um Kevin Gastelum is fighting, uh, what the hell is this guy's name? Matt Brown, 
crazy ass Matt Brown. Mm-hmm. And he's fighting him at 170 weight class, and the UFC got him a nutritionist. <laughs> now, now um, let, let, doesn't surprise me. <laughs> but but hold on a minute. You fight for my organization. Your ass can't make weight. We've told you your ass can't make weight, but we like you. So because of the fact that we like you, we're going to pay for your nutritionist to fight your opponent. Like, think about that. That's the that's the equivalent of somebody going in, taking video of Manny Pacquiao's training camp and then showing it to Floyd Mayweather a, to a week before the fight. It doesn't surprise me that doing this. I mean, part, part of the reason outside is they want – Kevin Gaslam is a 170-pound fighter who, for whatever reason, uh, has problems making 170 pounds. Um, I think he made it – I think he fought there four times and made it twice. Right. Um, he he needs a nutritionist. Um According to him, they were too expensive. And the UFC, I mean, I believe he can speak Spanish. Um, he's Hispanic. They're always trying to get into Mexico. They're like, yo, we need you to be at your optimum fighting weight and all that, so we're going to pay for this nutritionist. Uh, it doesn't shock me at all. Like, like I mean, I read I read it, and I was like, yeah, oh, okay. Like, the UFC, UFC has all... Like I, I, I don't think people realize. Like the UFC has always helped fighters. State really, the UFC bought John Jones a Bentley that he crashed. Like, right. They will do things for you. Right. If they find you marketable. Like, Conor McGregor is living living in a mansion in Las Vegas that he doesn't pay for. Yep. The UFC pays for it. But the like, thing, the thing that yeah, got like, me was what Matt Brown said. He's like, "Yo, conflict of interest," and it's like, "Yeah, kinda." Sort of, but not like because I don't think the nutritionist ain't telling him all he's doing is helping make weight. Like I don't think the nutritionist is like breaking down teeth. Right, but what's happening Um, is, and I understood where he came from though. It's like every other fighter, and and again, I understand, and and I I'm totally on board with it. But every other fighter has to pay for shit out of pocket. You know, it's part of the job. And this dude, out of nowhere, for whatever reason. Yo, we're going to bust you down and pay for your nutritionist. Um, you know, the thing the thing that gets me is if he said, you know, if the if the UFC said, hey, you know, if you have trouble paying for things that are vital for your training camp, you know, and, and you're working and you're an active fighter, we'll help you. That makes sense. But it's like one dude randomly. You know what I mean? So if you're the opponent, you're going to be like, oh, what the fuck, man? Are you going to pay for my striking coach while you're at it? Because I don't make enough money. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I understand what Matt Brown probably looks at it. Like, what what the hell? Um, you know, um, it just, it, reading that didn't surprise me in the slightest. Like, I was like, okay, Matt, I can completely understand why they're doing it. I, I wasn't surprised by it at all. Like, they, they've done things like this before. They, they're doing it with Connor. So, oh, but 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 you know, Connor, Connor, I think has a blank checkbook, dude. So he's in the he's in the blank checkbook category. Yo, what do you need? You know, I like and and that's the thing yeah. too. It, depending on what type of a draw you are, if the you if you couldn't do something, the UFC would find a way to do it. Like, don't get me wrong. If you're like, hey, 
you know, I want my wife to come see me fight, but I don't have enough money in the bank to cover her flight. You know, they, they do you, they do right by you. I don't, I don't miss, I'm not, I'm not definitely downplaying that. I'm just uh, taken aback by something like that just because, like Matt Brown said, he's like, yo, you're going to need more than chicken and broccoli to beat me anyway. <laughs> you know, he kept it, he kept it super real. I was like, eh, he's kind of right about that. Yeah, it should be it should be a really good fight. You know whose uh, nutritionist they should pay for if they if they're doing that, pay for Cyborg's nutritionist. So you can have her fight Ronda and make money. Nutritionist ain't gonna have her in Oh no, of course not. But 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 that's the that's the gag, you know. If 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 you wanna if you're making those type of investments, at least make the investment in that because you know that that's a guaranteed payday. Yeah, at, at, at best that fight's happening at one forty. I don't see she's fighting at one forty. She's fighting at one forty on yep, the, at uh, the next Invicta card. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, that that that's where that fight is happening. I don't ever see her getting down to one thirty five. Man, healthy uh, anyway, dude. If she makes one thirty five and then she loses and she just says, "Oh, the cut was th- nobody. Nobody's gonna care at that point." <laughs> it's like the fight happened. Thanks. Oh no, no. Oh no! Nobody's gonna care. But <laughs> like, I mean, but like, she will be completely emaciated if she says one thirty-five. Ugh, craziness. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Eddie Alvarez is gonna be fighting Anthony Pettis UFC Fight Night in Boston. That's gonna be a hell of a scrap. Yeah, that should be dope, that, um, man. Yep. I mean that that should be dope. Um, hopefully, Anthony. I really wish Anthony Pettis would switch camps. I don't think he ever will. No. I, I just think Rufus Sport doesn't game plan well. Um, well is at all. <laughs> um, and I, 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 I just, I don't know. After that fight against Rafael Dasanjos and how he looked against Gilbert Melinda, like, I really question, like, what, the game plan is in some of these fights. Yeah, Eddie Alvarez has the exact, the tools to do what Rafael Dos Anjos does. Now the thing with Eddie Alvarez is, if you hit him, he'll probably fall. Right. He might not get knocked out, but Anthony Pettis is the type of dude that if he hurts you, he can tap you or finish you. So it sh- it should be one hell of a fight. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped for that. So that fight's going down January 17th. And uh, last bit of MMA news to close things out, and these are. This falls into, and it's been a while, a what-the-fuck MMA news news story. And that is, and and you're going to lose your mind, Vitor Belfort spoke with MMA Fighting while promoting his fight with Dan Henderson and said that Chris Weidman used performance-enhancing drugs. Yeah, I saw that earlier. Um, I read it, and that's not all he said either. He, He said that... Uh, like everybody else is using. Yep. And why were his test levels so low? Uh, I'm. Yeah. Why was his <laughs> Why was his test levels so low? And that him and his doctor have some magic shit. He has no personal. Like Vitor, shut the fuck up. Like <laughs> go. Away. Like I need Vitor to go away. Like I need him to not have anything to do with MMA at all. Like he just at this point he is ridiculous. Like, bro, you don't even look like the same person without nope. the TRT. Nope. Like, you look like a completely different human being. You like, are a coat rack. Please, please. Yeah, like, 
complete. Like you look like you should as a 40 year old dude who's ravaged his body throughout his life with steroids. That's how you look now. Yep. <laughs> just be that dude. <laughs> like, like accept it and move on. At this point, it's just, yeah, it's just, ugh, ugh. yo, it was, uh, I read it. Like I had a conversation with a friend uh, not too long ago and like, I was like, yo, look at Vitor's body when he was 18. Yep. There ain't no 18, 19 year old shape like that. 200. Like, he was on, he's been on steroids nearly his entire career. Well, the thing that tripped me out was the fact that he was like, I was doing a treatment and paid the price. He goes, my levels were normal. His levels were low. How's a kid at his age have having low testosterone? And I'm just like, dude, listen, you were defeated soundly. It wasn't even a question that it was a competitive fight that was extremely close. You were handed an ass whooping. Just take the take the L, fight Hendo, have another war with with Hendo because Hendo's good for it, and just just enjoy what's left of your career. You know, like like, like stop trying to angle all this crazy shit. You got your ass kicked. Weidman proved Weidman exposed you, and that's it. He still does that same thing about the John Jones fight. Like last time you talked about, like I still have John Jones on. John Jones had your soul then. Like, yeah. And Shut up! <laughs> like, just let it go. Like, like those losses that, that that you that you feel were so contested, dude. If 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 he if if it wasn't so mu- so highlight real worthy, he'd find a way to spin that Anderson Silva teep knockout. Oh, he! I believe he did. <laughs> I believe he was like I was winning until I got knocked knocked out. Like, yeah, that's great. Like, Vitor is. Ugh. He's out of his mind, For a dude. Dude, who who literally, who who literally has been in every era of MMA, he is not revealed reveled at all. Like no one, I don't know anyone who likes Vitor. Like he just he's ruined anyone being a fan of him by being a dick and a crybaby <laughs> to boot. Yeah, and a crybaby. Like just stop, dude. Like you lost to these people. You also are on steroids almost your entire career. Wyman's levels weren't astronomically low like he was on steroids. His levels were low like he had just worked out not too long ago. Right. <laughs> like, it's, it's, uh, yeah, so I figured that, that would yeah. be a, a, high, a, high, a high point to, to close things out for uh, the MMA segment. He's out of his daggone mind, and um, it, it, just, it just needed to be mentioned. A uh, couple of things. I know. I know you guys uh, yep. got a new black as the new black coming up. Uh, you guys are fully yep, immersed right. in football season. A lot of craziness. A yep. lot of mayhem. I'm, I'm sure you're you're ready to uh, dissect the Yeezy fashion show <laughs> from this week. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. For for like nine hundred dollars, you too can share like an extra on the Matrix. You you can actually look like you are the Miz's stunt double from Monday Night Raw. <laughs> like I saw yeah. some of that stuff, and I said to myself, "Man, Ben is Ben and Taylor are going to have a field day." Yeah, no, yeah, it's yeah, just that. It's, I, I saw some of the stuff too. I was like, "This is 
this? Is this what you were yelling at Sway about, Kanye? Like, is, is this what you were so excited about? Man, listen. It's uh, like it's like between his his announcement to run for president and um, the uh, the fashion show business. I'm just like, yo, hip hop is in a very weird place. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty much where it's at. But um, let everybody know where they can find you. And like you said, Black is the New Black, brand new episode this Friday. Make sure to catch them live on Mixler. Uh, links for that are always shared in our Facebook group. And, you know, I'll make yep. sure to also share it on the fan page. And, of course, archived episodes are available usually within 24 to 48 hours. So you can catch that on iTunes. But aside from that, let them know where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, BlackOut89. That's uh, B-L-A-Q-O-U-T-89. And you also have a Black is the New Black Tumblr as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Black is the New Black Tumblr. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, sorry. B-I-T-N-B-T-A-S.tumblr.com. Not only do we post... Our, our show on there, like the um, once the uh, the downloadable version, the edited version is up. Um, but it's basically just you know a lot of random pictures, a lot of a lot of random stuff. Um, every now and again, me and Taylor will do a little text post or something in there. Just just you know uh, just a little eclectic mess of of our interest. Yep, and uh, hopefully within the next two weeks we will be forwarding. Uh, I figured I'd tell you on air. We'll be forwarding Black is the New Black podcast dot com to that url oh oh word <laughs> soon word. soon <laughs> so there you have it word there All you right, go cool. that, i figured that'd be a good way to close things out um as always i appreciate your your contributions both on air and off air and uh make sure you guys check out black is the new black uh brand new episode this friday i appreciate the assist brother no problem All right, man. I'll catch you later. All right, man. Peace. Peace. That's it. Our very own Ben. Follow him on Twitter at Blackout89, B-L-A-Q-O-U-T, the number eight, the number nine. Black is the new black podcast available on iTunes. Just download the regular My Take Radio feed, and you can catch episodes of Black is the New Black on there with Ben and Taylor waxing poetic about sports hip-hop, and as they like to call it, nerd shit. Also, make sure to check out their Tumblr, bitnb.tumblr.com, and we'll have links for that as well in the show notes. That's going to wrap up the MMA for this week. Let's switch gears, jump into the wrestling, and also get into Night of Champions picks, some of the other news of the week, Hogan, as usual, up to his antics, and so much more. Booker T, what time is it? We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga! All right, let's talk about wrestling, and boy, oh boy, is there... A decent amount of stuff on tap for this week. But first off, let's get the ball rolling with this past Monday's episode of Raw. As always, we have come to expect episodes of Raw before a pay-per-view to usually be a pretty solid, 
go-home show. Uh, this week's episode of Raw had, as usual, its high points and its low points. And, of course, a couple of cringe-worthy moments as well. Uh, not going to do like like I've been trying in the last couple of weeks to do to avoid you know the typical match-by-match recap. But I do want to talk about a couple of things. First of all, um, props to WWE for Connor's Cure. Very cool. Uh, love what they're doing with that. The little bracelets are awesome. If you guys are interested in that, I will post a link for that in the show notes for further details. But you can head to WWE.com as well. But the funny thing was Triple H, Stephanie McMahon had their opening segment. They announced that Sting would be wrestling for... You know, on Raw, pretty historic seeing Sting involved on Raw. That's something, you know, nobody nobody would have ever thought of 10 or 15 years ago. But it was definitely a high point. But the other thing was Triple H officially ascending into Vince McMahon 2.0 territory with their exchange with the New Day as the New Day came out and danced with Stephanie McMahon and Triple H. And it was... Here's the thing. You would look at it at first glance and think it is completely cringeworthy and stupid, but there was some really impressive magic on display. And the reason I say this is because Triple H and Stephanie McMahon are viewed as, you know, the anti, the villains in the story. And by them endorsing the New Day, it kind of adds an interesting dimension to the New Day's characters, not only because they have the support, quote-unquote, of the authority, but because the authority has essentially co-signed their gimmick. Now, whether this means that the authority is going to be working with the New Day or if the New Day is going to become part of the authority remains to be seen, but the fact is that an endorsement from, you know, the the authority is definitely a bigger... uh, something bigger than just them dancing alongside them on television. So we're going to be watching that very closely and we'll see how that pans out in coming episodes of raw and in upcoming episodes, uh, you know, in upcoming pay-per-views as well. So definitely keep an eye on that as for their match with the primetime players. It was a, a very solid match. I felt that the match had a lot going on, really great chemistry I did have some takeaways from that match. I do feel that Titus O'Neil and Darren Young as a tag team are probably at the at their optimal level. We've said this before that some wrestlers just can't thrive as singles performers, whether it's be whether it's due to the the way their characters connect with the audience or just the way they're written. But some guys are great tag team wrestlers. Some guys just, they just don't have it. And in the case of the primetime players, I feel that their success hinges more on them as a tag team than their individual strengths. And the reason I say this is because they complement each other so well, not only in the ring, but on their microphone as well. There's, there's really no upside to either one of those guys having a singles run unless one of them becomes such a breakout star that he outshines his partner. And in the case of the primetime players, that's not the case, only because, yes, Titus O'Neil has great presence. He has a good, a great look to him. But when you strip him away from Darren Young, he doesn't have as much charisma as we'd like to believe. I mean, every, every dynamic duo needs their, you know, the straight man. 
or or the or the guy that kind of plays off the interactions of his partner. And in this case, it's Darren Young is a great foil for a lot of a lot of Titus O'Neil's uh, mic work. Not only that, but he also, in in Darren Young's defense, he's good at just navigating promos when it looks like Titus O'Neil is going to stumble. And I think that's really part of the keys to their success. Now, if Creative was smart, they would keep them together, build them, and make them just a consummate, uh, a considerable asset to the tag team division. And I mean in the sense that those guys should always be in contention or talked about as as possible tag team contenders on a constant basis, only because they need the belts to validate their characters. This goes back to what I've said before, where you can strip characters, you can strip titles from certain wrestlers, and they'll continue to be over because the belts at that point are props. In the case of the primetime players, they do need the belts. In the case of the New Day, the New Day have reached a, a, a level where gold tag team title gold for them is it's nice for them to have it but it's not necessary and when i get into my picks for night of champions i'll elaborate on that further the other thing i wanted to discuss was page and sasha banks and the reason i want to bring this up is because complex put out an article about the divas revolution being a failure and this goes back to what ben and i were saying in our in the mma segment they um you know which is the issues with the divas revolution and the shortcomings of the divas revolution and it the same way it ties into what's been you know just what's happening as a whole and that is that the divas revolution was pigeonholed the minute that you put all all of these women in stables while I understand that it's good for for tag team matches and et cetera, et cetera, there it doesn't it doesn't shine the spotlight on the prize, which is the Divas title, because the Divas title is being used as an accessory to validate Nikki Bella's title reign. Now, the problem with this Divas Revolution is not so much the fact that we're seeing essentially the same matches every week, but it's just the fact that the matches are being done and they are accomplishing nothing. Like, Sasha Banks and Paige have wrestled, I believe, for the last three weeks. And outside of the beat-the-clock match, the other two instances where they wrestled were, were just for, for the sake of filling time. Everybody feels that there's, you know, this untapped, un, you know, unmentioned issues between these groups, but there really aren't any, I, I, except the fact that they want to take the title from Nikki Bella. That's it. Other than that, there's no real substance to whatever beef they may have. It's different when you're looking at, the, at at women's wrestling in NXT because at the end of the day in NXT, the title is the motivator. The title is front and center, and allegiances they may uh, you know alliances may be formed and allegiances may be tested, but the end game in NXT always is the NXT women's title. In the case of the main rosters, divas. The main the main thing is to take the title from Nikki Bella, but that's not necessarily the case every week. Like I can understand if Sasha Banks has a match with Nikki Bella because again, the the end game is for them to win the women's title. But to recycle and rehash this match every week, 
it's it's just showing that you're not adding um, any intrigue or any any layered storytelling to a division that really needs it. And that's the problem. And I've said this NXT's creative team is is more it's more honed in, it's dialed in, and it's able to really focus its efforts correctly on one hour of television and give everybody ample time to grow and benefit. On the raw side of things, you have a multi-person creative team that's disjointed, and at the end of the day, Vince McMahon has final say in, in what happens. And that's a gift and a curse. The Divas Revolution is not a failure. I just feel that the Divas Revolution is directionless until Nikki Bella loses the belt. Because when Charlotte wins the belt, and she will, that's going to create the friction that's needed to start dividing at least someone. Because I know that it's inevitable that they will turn page, and once Charlotte is champion it opens up some fresh possibilities because you can not only have matches with Charlotte against her fellow NXT compatriots, but you can also build on the fact that there's genuine interest in, in her as a performer. Nikki Bella, the people are interested in her at this point are interested in her because they don't want to see her champion anymore. So with that, I, you know, the, I'm tired of seeing the same six matches every week. And either you got to bring up more women from NXT or you need to sit down with creative and create a narrative and a story that really, really works. That's all I'm saying. The other the other match I, I wanted to talk about, and it's not John Cena and Sheamus because get the fuck out of here, is, of course, the second Divas match of the evening, which was Charlotte and Nikki Bella. And I want to mention this for a couple of reasons. Number one. If anybody thought for one second that Nikki Bella was gonna break was not gonna break that record, you're insane. Number two, the booking of that match was done to protect Nikki Bella and ensure that she breaks the record and also to ensure that Charlotte looks good heading into Night of Champions. Now, obviously they did a good job acknowledging that when Brie Bella got involved, she should have been DQ'd, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But the thing is that as soon as that match went down, that match was essentially done to show us what these women are going to do on Sunday. And with that said, the match itself was pretty good. But again, you can see the difference between Charlotte's wrestling and Nikki's wrestling in a lot of the exchanges. And what happens is that Nikki, who's the veteran, does not look good in an extended period, in a match that's going to go longer than maybe five or ten minutes. Uh, and I'm serious. Like, Well, let me rephrase that. Longer, longer, than, uh, longer than seven or eight minutes and into 15 minutes. It, it, it's definitely not something that works for her. And some wrestlers are like that. They're really good at the short game. Three, four-minute matches, five-minute matches. But when you get into the deep water, you're not going to get a quality match. I've said this about Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is a good wrestler in a five-minute match. Take that guy into the deep water, and if the opponent isn't as a guy that can carry the load in the match, it's going to be Roman Reigns delivering the five moves of doom. So with that said, 
I think uh, Nikki and Charlotte are going to have a good match this Sunday, but it's definitely not going to be an instant classic, especially if it goes into the quote-unquote deep water. Now, now the other thing I, I wanted to discuss was the Big Show and Sting's match. And the reason was because I said to myself, please do not let the whole night go by without them acknowledging that these guys have met before in WCW. Luckily, they did that. As for the match itself, we knew that they were going to try and find a way to mask Sting's shortcomings in the ring, and they did that by creating, obviously, the impromptu tag team match. And the match did a very good job in building up the pay-per-view, but it really also showcased how limited Sting is in the ring. And obviously that's due to age and and a bunch of other factors, but I know for a fact that Seth Rollins is going to have his work cut out for him, not only giving us a, a, a solid match with Sting, but trying to also give us another instant classic with John Cena. And this, my friends, is where things are going to get interesting because we we all know and would hope in a perfect world that Seth Rollins retains both belts and continues to be booked as a strong champion. But I also feel that there is a slight chance that they might want to put the belt on Sting just to add it to Sting's resume and kind of cross it off the list. Again, not something I'm 100% on board with, but there's always that chance, and it's, and it's slim, but it could happen. Now, Seth Rollins has a very, very monumental task ahead. And the, and the task is that you have to go out there and not only have a good match with Cena, but you also have to ensure that you have a good match with Sting because that's the match that's, you know, selling the pay-per-view by and large. Now, will the match end clean? Will there be some sort of involvement or shenanigans? It remains to be seen. But in terms of where this goes for either Sting or, or John Cena is anyone's guess. Because if you put the U.S. title back on John Cena, sure, you can reinstate the John Cena Open Challenge. He could defend the belt. You can put over more mid-carters. Great. Now, if John Cena doesn't win, what do you do with him? Do you put him back in the main event picture? Do you keep him outside of the main event and maybe have him work on a secondary title to build it up? Maybe the IC belt with, with Ryback and those guys? It's it's anyone's guess. Now, on the on that World Heavyweight title side, keeping Rollins champion allows for fresher matches than putting the belt on Sting. Because, yes, for the sake of nostalgia and the sake of, you know, crossing it off the proverbial bucket list, it, yes, Sting as champion is, is okay. But in terms of just trying to build a brand, get people invested, and just try and put people over, nostalgia doesn't put people over anymore. It's good for a week, maybe two weeks. But when you go into, again, into the long game, nobody's going to want to sign up for that. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, overall, Raw was passable, but it did have its fair share of shortcomings. I didn't address the Rusev match with, with Cesaro because as much as I like Cesaro, the, the end game is just the building of, of Rusev and Summer Rae and Dolph Ziggler and that preposterous and stupid storyline. So... Definitely not one of the high points this week. All right, 
let's uh, switch gears and go into the other wrestling news of the week. Um, a couple of weeks back, I mentioned that Sarita, a.k.a. Sarah Stock, was being considered as a potential signee with the WWE. Uh, all signs are pointing towards her. All signs point to her being signed as a coach at the WWE Performance Center. And we'll find out in a couple of weeks if that's true. But I will say that the addition of Sarah Stock to the Performance Center coaching staff will definitely benefit the Divas division quite a bit. You know, she brings a Lucha Libre style offense and toolkit to the Performance Center. And I think that's going to prove invaluable to some of the Divas that definitely fall within that Lucha Libre uh, mindset. I think, you know, it, it would help Divas like Bailey uh, and, and some of the others to throw a little bit of that style into their repertoire. Uh, we'll find out in a couple of weeks, like I said, if that's true, only because, you know, we got that that new NXT TakeOver special heading our way, and who knows, maybe she'll be on board by the time the Iron, the 30-minute Ironman match with Bayley and Sasha Banks happens, and we'll find out if any of those teachings come into play. One of the other signee news I wanted to mention, uh, PW Insider has reported that uh, Biff Busick and Athena Reese have both been officially signed by WWE. Uh, of course, those rumors have been swirling around quite a bit, and now all signs are pointing to both of these indie superstars joining the NXT and eventually WWE roster. So we're going to be monitoring that closely. I mean, right now, you know, you got Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano uh, signed on NXT and they're, you know, working in the tag team classic. And those guys definitely impress in every one of their outings. So hopefully this trend of indie talent joining NXT continues and continues to make NXT the formidable brand that it's been thus far. I want to switch gears a bit, jump into some TNA news. Of course, tonight was the addition of Impact with TNA's uh, face, TNA superstars facing off against the superstars of Global Force Wrestling. And while I haven't been enjoying the TNA product as much as I should, there are a couple of things that need to be mentioned. Uh, the first one is the announcement that um, veteran referee Earl Hebner will be inducted into the TNA Hall of Fame, which, you know, it's pretty cool. Uh, the other thing is that Dixie Carter uh, said earlier, said this week, that TNA is going to remain on Destination America through 2015 and that they will be revisiting uh, TNA's, TNA's future with Destination America in 2016. Um, the thing is that TNA, as a, as a secondary, or depending on who you ask, tertiary, wrestling promotion succeeds in a, a myriad of ways but on the flip side they also have a lot of shortcomings and i think that part of that is obviously dixie carter's and the overall management of tna but the other part of it is that their roster which used to be very heavy with talented wrestlers has kind of become a, a miss a mishmash of veteran talent that occasionally show up and feud with some of the up-and-coming talent and then up-and-coming talent who is not being showcased as effectively as they used to be. So I, we'll see what happens with them on Destination America. I will say that Ring of Honor's one-hour product is leaps and bounds better 
than Impact's two-hour product. I mean, last last week I saw the match with Roderick Strong and Jay Lethal and um, the Addiction and the Young Bucks, and both matches were just stellar for different reasons, but just amazing wrestling in one hour. Maybe TNA needs to look at that, and maybe they need to kind of scale back a bit, maybe go a little shorter, and really refocus their energies on what made them great. And that was their X division, their very, very prominent women's division that was tremendous at one time, and of course, their their mat technicians that, that can work the you know for the heavyweight title those guys and i mean they have good talent there bobby Roode is a great talent eric young when he's not being booked like a complete jerk off is a great talent so they do still have guys on the roster that can do well i'm just hoping that they put it together and bring it together before it's too late all right so this should come as a shock to no one, but a lot of rumors are floating around that Tough Enough's finalist ZZ is signed to a WWE deal, a developmental deal. As of right now, I mean, it's being reported by PW Insider and a couple of other sites. Not sure how I feel about it. I mean, ZZ was okay, but in the weeks and, and, and that passed through Tough Enough, I just really saw no improvement now. Does that mean that he doesn't have the tools to improve? Sure. But in the in the amount of time that he had, I just really saw no spark that that would that was ignited in me as a fan for him as a character. I mean, the crowd was into him and he was a crowd favorite. But how far can that really get you? We'll see what happens. I mean, maybe maybe he's going to put in the work and we may be surprised that he becomes a better performer. But I'm not 100 percent convinced at this point. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about, of course, Hulk Hogan. Uh, Hulk Hogan, once again, just inserting foot in mouth. Uh, He did an interview recently with Sports Illustrated, and when asked about WWE releasing him, they said they had to do what was best for business. Triple H was telling me that the USA Network was reacting very badly, and they had to make a quick, quick decision, and that was to put me out to pasture. They were under heavy fire and they were scrambling. Again, this is quoting what Hogan said. When asked about WWE not contacting him about the comments, he said that's not characteristic of what WWE does. Vince McMahon reaches out and helps people. If you're a drug abuser or you abuse alcohol, Vince McMahon and the WWE reach out and help people. So what's so uncommon about this was they took the symptoms, said, oh my God, there's a symptom of being a racist and threw me away. They usually go to the source. They've known me for over 30 years, and they know I'm not a racist. So they should have went to the source. I don't use the word ever except for in that moment of anger. So I wish WWE went to the source instead of the symptoms. I could have explained I've tried every day since then to be a better man. When asked about him not being a racist, he said, yes, I said it, and I'm accountable for it, and I'm so sorry. But the real people who know me, they know I'm not a racist. I got a lot of support from the African-American community. Most people know who I am, and I'm just sorry I was in a situation where I was venting and I was mad. So for the people who don't understand, I hope they take a good look at who I really am. couple of things. First off, Hogan should not do any more interviews and any more apologizing. First. Secondly. If he would have said what he said 
in Sports Illustrated on Good Morning America, I wouldn't have got as annoyed as I got personally when I saw his tears and his bullshit. Him acknowledging the elephant in the room that he said what he said, listen, if he's a racist, he's a racist. If he's not a racist and he just said something that he shouldn't have said, in any case, be a man and own up to it. Yes, you're owning up to it in Sports Illustrated and that's great, but it's not going to go away right away. And for him saying that WWE should have contacted him and he could have explained the problem is, and we've said this on numerous shows, so I'm not going to beat it to death, but the guy has to understand the climate and the landscape of WWE in 2015 is substantially different than it was in 1997. Obviously, there's a more family-friendly atmosphere. There's younger demographics being catered to. There's more mainstream exposure from a variety of angles. And because of that, they couldn't just address the quote-unquote symptoms they had to react because it's negative press that the company did not need and of course people are like yeah but you know ultimate warrior said some stuff and donald trump has said some stuff yeah donald trump has said some stuff but the problem with whatever donald trump says is that it's been dissected by the media and some people are okay with it you know saying calling calling someone a derogatory slur whether it anger or not and being caught on tape does not does not separate the fact that you said it and you were bagged. For him to come out, oh, you know, they should have came to me first. And what if they would have came to you? You still had to get cut loose. You still had to be scrubbed from the Hall of Fame because it's hate speech. And in an era where people are supposed to be accepted and, you know, we're, we're a country comprised of different races, colors, creeds, sexual orientations, whatever the case may be. They, they couldn't afford to do that. They could not. Period. He said what he said. I actually respected what he said more in the Sports Illustrated interview than when he said on Good Morning America. Because, again, he got to the root of the problem. Whether he is or he isn't a racist, he is aware, self-aware, that he said something that he knew was going to bite him in the ass. He knew it. He knew it. it happened. He knew it was inevitable. And he accepts that. As for what the company should do about it, listen, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Five, 10, 15 years from now, who knows? Maybe, maybe they'll quietly put him back in there, but you're never going to see Hulk Hogan on television again. And in terms of his legacy, yes, it's not the same as what happened with Chris Benoit. And, and I agree, you shouldn't scrub that. You shouldn't erase his legacy for something stupid. You should let the the public, by and large, decide if they want to support Hogan or not. If people are still watching Hogan's matches on the network, you got the analytics. You guys got the numbers. You know the deal. If people are still watching the stuff that he's a part of and still searching for stuff related to him, then you just have to you have to accept it for what it is. A guy that misspoke. Is he blackballed from the wrestling industry? For the time being, sure. But so was, you know, Mel Gibson. So were countless others. They were blackballed for stuff. And eventually something more serious and more and, and, and more horrifying comes along that changes people's focus. Right now it's too raw and it's too in your face for you to just let it, you know, walk off into the night. That's all I'm saying. Hogan just needs to shut up, 
stick his head in the sand and go about his business quietly, work on other ventures, work on other projects, maybe go work in Japan for a little bit, get yourself back in order and just let this blow over on its own. The more press you do about it and the more you speak about it, the bigger and the deeper you dig a hole for yourself. That's all I'm saying. In some Jimmy Superfly Snooker news, his hearing for the murder case that he's being tried for is happening this Monday. So this Monday, Jimmy Superfly Snooker's case will be heard in Allentown, PA. Uh, he was sentenced, he was indicted, excuse me, on September 1st for the May 11, 1983 death of his girlfriend, Nancy Argentino, and has been charged with third-degree murder and involuntary manslaughter. Now... Again, another situation where WWE has to distance themselves immediately because this is nuclear level heat that you don't want to be associated with. What happens to Jimmy Superfly Snooker remains to be seen, but given the fact that I've heard, you know, it's been mentioned that he's fighting stomach cancer and he has dementia, which I've heard as well. I, and I, you know, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, if he goes in jail, he's probably going to die in there anyway. So. We'll see what happens. I'm curious to hear what evidence is brought forth, how they determined that he was involved. I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested in that stuff. So once I get more information about it and how the hearing panned out, if it becomes public knowledge, I will definitely share it with you guys. All right, so I want to close things out with my Night of Champions picks. And uh, once we do that, we will wrap it up for this episode. Uh, I want to go through the matches in kind of reverse order, I guess. Uh, the kickoff match, which was announced on Monday with Stardust and the Ascension taking on the Lucha Dragons and Neville, uh, very solid match. I don't have a problem with it being a kickoff match. My problem is that Neville, who was so promising and on top of his, on top of the mountain in NXT, is just relegated to essentially curtain jerker status. Um, I don't I don't think it's it's a it's a knock on Neville. I just feel that he could be utilized better either in the IC or US title picture. In terms of who I see coming out the winners in this match, you went through all this trouble of putting Stardust and the Ascension together and I don't think that you're going to take that momentum and automatically squash it. So I definitely see Neville and the Lucha Dragons losing in this outing, but only because in the bigger picture you're trying to build a brand new stable. We'll see We'll see how that pans out. But I know for a fact that the Lucha Dragons and Neville are going to put together an amazing match and make Stardust and the Ascension look good in the process. Rusev and Ziggler, of course, are squaring off. Of course, this is the aftermath of their issues with Lana and later on with Summer Rae. Uh, this match, you know, it's a throwaway match in my opinion. And if you're trying to rebuild Rusev like it's been said they're trying to do, then he may walk away the winner. But given the fact that Lana is no longer involved and is no longer a focal point in the situation, I, I kind of want to lean towards Dolph Ziggler getting the victory in this situation. So I'm going with Dolph Ziggler on this one. Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, and of course their partner to be determined squaring off against the Wyatt family. As much as the shield, you know, that the the partial shield have have come over in in all these exchanges. Now that you've put Braun Strowman in the mix, 
and you're trying to build this 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 dynamic with the Wyatt family, this is a prime opportunity for you to take that to another level. And I really do see the Wyatt family coming away clean in this instance. Now, people have been talking about who the potential opponents may be. Of course, there was a botch on WWE.com, which led to it possibly being Baron Corbin. I somehow doubt that that is going to be the case, but stranger things have happened. If it were anybody, at least for me, I'd like it to be Samoa Joe, only because Samoa Joe works in that dynamic. For some reason, people are talking about Chris Jericho. Some other people are saying that it's going to be Kane. I really hope it's not Kane, because that's just going to be fucking terrible. I would use this as an opportunity to either bring up someone new or leverage someone from NXT in another in another atmosphere. And if in that and if that is the case, I like I said, Samoa Joe, even Baron Corbin would work in this instance because like I said, you're trying to do something where it's unexpected, nobody, you know, nobody sees it coming and going with something like Kane or Chris Jericho, it's going to be incredibly underwhelming. The IC title match with Ryback and Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens was in typical Kevin Owens douchebag form during his promo exchange with the big guy this Monday. And to that extent, I feel that there was a really, really solid... There, there, there was solid promo work, but I think that in Ryback's case, while he is a solid champion, putting the belt on Owens just works in terms of just prolonging... Not only Owens is his 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 um, involvement in the mid card, but it would validate him as a guy that came up from NXT and won a secondary title. And in Owens' case, there's just a better a better crop of challengers with him as champion. Obviously, him and Cesaro, him and Neville, and and countless others. And you know, Kevin Owens is going to bring you know, good match quality to the, to the table. Now in Ryback's case, Ryback needs to be in some sort of a title picture or at least in a tag team that can utilize him effectively. Otherwise he kind of gets lost in the mix much like he has been as champion. Even though Ryback as champion is, is, is okay. You really just don't even think about him as champion because the IC title has become such an afterthought now that Rollins has the world heavyweight and U.S. titles. We'll see what happens, but Kevin Owens is my pick. Uh, The WWE Tag Team title match with the New Day and the Dudleys, while everybody feels that it's inevitable that the Dudleys will win, including yours truly, as I said earlier in the segment, I do feel that the New Day have reached a level where the belts are the belts are vital, but they're not the lifeblood of their success. The lifeblood of their success is the chemistry they have and the insanity that they do both in the ring and out of the ring. And with that, I think that putting the belts on the Dudleys is just a shot in the arm overall for the tag team division. And we know that the New Day is going to be in the title picture for the foreseeable future. So even if you put the belts on the Dudleys for one month until the next pay-per-view, I do feel there is a viable, you know, there, there there's a viable need for the Dudleys to be champions at this time. Again, this doesn't take anything away from the New Day because the New Day have really done something remarkable, and that's take a shitty gimmick 
and turn it on its head and make people invested both from the cheering side and from the booing side. But I think that the match itself is going to be typical Dudley fair with the, you know, shenanigans from the part of the new day, the unexpected uh, 3d. And of course, somebody's guaranteed to get put through a table. That's a given. The WWE Divas title match between Nikki Bella and Charlotte, now that Nikki Bella, by the time that pay-per-view comes around, will be in the 300-day mark as champion, it's pretty much high time that she parted with the belt. Unless something crazy happens or there's just, there, there's just something totally out of, out of, out of nowhere, it's, it's, it's definitely Charlotte's match to win, and I am going with Charlotte dethroning Nikki Bella finally. I also feel that in the aftermath of that, we may get the page heel turn. We'll see how that pans out. The U.S. title match with Seth Rollins and John Cena, as much as I would like Rollins to be a, a, a double title holder, I do feel that they need to give John Cena something to do. And since he's, con- he's been such a, a driving force in the mid-card, I feel that Seth Rollins is probably going to drop the U.S. title to John Cena. Now, moving on into the title match, the heavyweight title match, as much as like I said from a nostalgic standpoint it would be it would be cool to put the belt on Sting, realistically, I just don't see that being the option that they're going to go with and they're going to go with what's best for business and that is keeping Rollins as champion. But given the, the way that the, the, the authority is treating Rollins and the, and the things that they're kind of putting in his way, I feel that this is just a build-up to the end game and the inevitable Triple H-Seth Rollins matchup. We'll see if that's the case, but with that said, that is my main event pick, my world, WWE World Heavyweight title pick with Seth Rollins walking away, still WWE champion, but definitely dropping that U.S. title. As always, these are my picks, this is my take, and as always, if you have your own, I definitely want to hear from you. So, with that, we are going to wrap up the wrestling segment for this week and wrap up the show as well. As I said, I've given you my take on MMA and pro wrestling. I would love to hear your take. Feel free to hit us up on social media. On Twitter, you can find us at MyTakeRadio or at Rage underscore Works. On the Facebook side of things, feel free to look us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks. By the way, our Guardians of the Galaxy box set contest is still going on, so get your entries in. We will be announcing a winner on next Thursday's episode of MTR. So if you haven't entered yet, you have four ways to do it. On Instagram, just find any of our pictures with the with the con with the um, action figures. And by all means, share your favorite Guardians of the Galaxy moment and the hashtag, which you can find on RageWorks.net forward slash contest. Put that hashtag in along with your favorite Guardians moment and you will be entered. If you're on Facebook, you'll see the contest entry is pinned right at the top of the fan page. Feel free to put your favorite Guardians moment. Of course, feel free to use, uh, you know, GIFs if you want or pictures to illustrate why that's your favorite moment along with the hashtag that we've provided and you'll be entered there on twitter same rules apply uh tweet us share your favorite moment along with the hashtag and of course on the site itself share your moment in the content 
in the uh, contest comment section. Again, for all these for all these rules, head over to RageWorks.net. I will add that you have to make sure that you're following both us and our contest partners, which is Entertainment Earth. Links for that are in the contest post. With regards to archived episodes of the show, you can find audio versions on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio within 24 hours of broadcast, 24 to 48, depending on how much editing has to be done. And for video, you can find us on two YouTube channels, Official, RageWorks, and My Take Radio TV. And last but not least, both audio and video are posted on RageWorks.net if you want to enjoy both of those courtesy of the site. The mobile MTR experience, of course, can be had via the official MyTake Radio app, available for Android, iOS, and Windows Mobile. For iOS, of course, you're heading to iTunes. For Android, you are heading to the Amazon Android Marketplace. And, of course, for Windows Mobile, you are heading to the Windows Store. You'll be able to listen to the show in 96K stereo, get mobile wallpapers, and, of course, get instant access before everyone else to some of our other programs and content. All right. That is going to wrap up this week's episode. Join us later today since it's now Thursday for our gaming and entertainment edition of MTR, which airs live at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. On behalf of myself, Ben, Slick, and the rest of the MTR and RageWorks crew, I will see you guys later. Thanks for tuning in. I am out of here. Peace. I'm rich, bitch. That's all, folks.